Hi, this is Jim Lyon, and you're listening to Viewpoint. And with me today, Kimberly Majeski. Hi, Jim. Kimberly, so nice to see you. Thanks for coming alongside. So glad to be here. We here at Viewpoint are walking through a series of programs about what it feels like to be wounded, and maybe even worse, wounded by the people of God. And this series has been inspired by a book written by a woman named Anne Graham Lotz. Many people are familiar with her. I mean, you know, Kimberly, that Anne is the daughter of a very famous guy named... That's right, Billy Graham. Billy Graham's daughter. He has several, and this is one. And Anne is an author and a Bible teacher and a leader in her own right. And this book was inspired by some difficult moments in her own journey and that of her family as they felt wounded by some people who were God's own. And as we come back, I want to talk a little bit about that because there are lessons we can learn. And as Anne wrestled with her own woundedness, she found in the scripture the story of Hagar in Genesis and really found healing and wholeness studying that life. So when we come back, we're going to talk about those things, what it's like in the present day to be wounded, and how we can find in the scripture, and especially in the story of Hagar, life-giving truth. I don't know about you, Kimberly, but as I began to read uh, Anne Graham Lotz's book called Wounded, I was a little surprised up front in the book when she describes some passages in her own life where she and her husband felt distanced from the church that they had loved and into which they had poured their lives. I think many of us think that, well, a church life wouldn't ever be a hurtful place. (laughs) And uh, if you're the daughter of Billy Graham, surely people would be saying, (laughs) why don't you come and be a part of us? But through some trains of events, and I don't know that we have to get into them here, or I'm not sure I even understand them, they simply found themselves in a place where they felt wounded. And and I think many of us have had wounded places. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing that you have had some. Of course, right. And uh, I have too. Mm -hmm. And then you wonder, how do I go forward? Mm -hmm. And in this program today, part of the story that Hagar in the scripture represents for us is something that all of us have known, and that is to be rejected. Mm. I mean, Kimberly, have you ever had a moment in your life where you felt rejected? Oh, my goodness. That's my thing, Jim. I mean, that is that is the wound that I have to always struggle with. And so when you say, is there a moment, I want to ask you, do you want me to relate a moment to you from high school <laughs> or, or college or recent day? I think anybody who puts themselves out there uh, has a fear of and has ultimately experienced rejection. And that rejection we might expect from people who don't share our values or maybe are in a different community or culture mm-hmm. than the one in which we live. But boy, when you feel rejected by your own tribe yeah. or your own family, and that might be by blood or it might be by faith right. or it could be by geography or neighborhood or working environment. But when the people that you imagine would be most sympathetic right. aren't, mm-hmm. whoo. That really goes down deep. Since community that we have in the church and also sort of the transparency with which we enter into community in faith and the vulnerability that we share together, um, sometimes what we have in a church community is a re-family for us, a second family for us when sort of rejected from our um, family of origin. So when those things happen, it's really painful and sometimes you don't know where else to turn. And you can just... Be stopped in your tracks, not sure what to do. Which brings us to the story of Hagar in Genesis. Here we have the story of a young woman who is born Egyptian. Mm-hmm. She's a servant girl, a slave. Mm-hmm. She's vulnerable. 
and uh, her life is pushed around by other forces and people who have authority in her context over her, and she simply has to show up where she's told to show up. And she's uprooted from her culture of origin and uh, given or sold to others who travel to a far country, and now she's a completely new environment. And while she's there, she sees people who function in different ways and different styles of relationship and even have a different religious culture. Abraham is the guy who ultimately has her in his custody mm -hmm. and his wife, Sarah, mm -hmm. helps supervise her. Mm -hmm. And then she comes to this moment where Abraham and Sarah want to have a child, but they're not conceiving naturally. And so in this ancient context, yes. Sarah says to Hagar, her servant girl, why don't you sleep with my husband? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's jaw-dropping for us in modern time, but that was the norm then. Very practical. She wanted to give Abraham a son, couldn't of her own body, and so she gave him the body of her handmaiden. And from Hagar's point of view, we don't really have a record of what her emotions or how she felt. Maybe she just thought, well, this is my lot in life. Mm -hmm. Maybe she felt honored. Boy, I get to sleep with the big guy. Maybe she is appalled. I can't believe that you think that I should just be used in this way. However it was, she does her duty, so to mm -hmm. speak, and fulfills this direction and ultimately conceives a child and gives it to Abraham as his son. It is his son. Mm -hmm. Names the boy Ishmael. And here she is, tossed in a sea from her earliest years and to the present moment we've just described, at the mercy of other people. Yeah. And she comes to trust. She must have come to trust at some level, Abraham and Sarah. Mm -hmm. And now there's tension with them. And yet she did everything she was told. And I mean, when you just look at her story, she certainly had a case to be pretty bitter and angry. Mm -hmm. And that's why she's such a good illustration for us, a good window through which we can gaze when we ourselves feel wronged or rejected or abandoned, what can we learn? And the scripture provides for us stories that help us learn about how to live today. Kimberly, I'm going to ask you to read a passage out of Genesis chapter 21 that captures a segment of Hagar's life. It's not the whole story. It's just a part that tells us about how she herself was rejected and what happened next. This is Genesis 21, 8 to 21. When Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham and her Egyptian servant Hagar, making fun of her son Isaac. So she turned to Abraham and demanded, get rid of that slave woman and her son. He's not going to share the inheritance with my son Isaac. I won't have it. This upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son. But God told Abraham, do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you. For Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. But I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son, because he is your son too. So Abraham got up early the next morning, prepared food and a container of water, and strapped them on Hagar's shoulders. And then he sent her away with their son, and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade of a bush. And then she went and sat down by herself about a hundred yards away. I don't want to watch the boy die, she said, and burst into tears. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. Hagar, what's wrong? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him. For I will make him a great nation from his descendants. And then God opened Hagar's eyes. 
and she saw a well full of water. She quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness, and he became a skillful archer, and he settled in the wilderness of Paran. His mother arranged for him to marry a woman from the land of Egypt. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God, a place where sin. As you've just heard Kimberly read from the scripture, a question may have come to mind. You might be thinking, well, wait a minute, how did that unfold? What kind of story <laughs> is that? Or maybe you want to know more about our subject today. We just want you to know that we're always glad to hear from you. In 24 hours a day and seven days a week, you can dial a number toll free and reach out to us. The number is 1 800 757 VIEW. That's 1 800 757 8439. Please. Give us a call. We'll give you the number again at the end of our broadcast. But for now, no, we're always glad to hear from you. Kimberly, as you read this passage about Hagar and her rejection, she was sent away with her son Ishmael. Mm. It's filled with pathos and emotion. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so hard to even visualize what that mm-hmm. was like. Okay, I think, you know, Abraham and Sarah are hateful. This poor woman is their property and they've taken her in and should protect her and provide for her and to turn her out for no reason than for just being faithful to what they required of her, seems really unfair. Well, and Ishmael is by this time a young boy. 
Abraham and Sarah ultimately conceived a child on their own named Isaac, and Sarah mm-hmm. naturally was drawn to that child of her own flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. And Ishmael, older, was making fun of the younger boy. That's not unusual, even in full-blooded <laughs> siblings. So, Did it happen in your house, Jim, ever? This? Well, uh, I was an only child and safe from that, but my four sons yes. that I raised in my house had a few moments like that, of course. <laughs> and all that to say... It seems like pretty small stuff for which to be evicted from your home and sent off into right. a wilderness. <laughs> a single mom with a young boy and no prospect beyond what's on her back, a jug of water with which yeah. to survive. It's It seems so over the top, and it is over the top. Yeah. It's really, honestly, a death sentence to send her out into the wilderness without protection and without a people to be a part of. And so, yeah, it seems cruel and extreme. And in this case, then... Hagar really is walking a journey that many of us have walked, even though we may not have been physically vulnerable in the way she is now. Mm -hmm. Emotionally, many of us have experienced that kind of being set to the curb. I mean, as an adopted person myself, I I learned later in life as an adult that I was relinquished for adoption by a woman who loved me so desperately that she was willing to give me up. Mm. And I realized then the sacrifice. But when you're adopted, you don't have that background. You sometimes wonder, wait a minute, How was I just left by the curb? All of us have moments of insecurity. Are we not valued? Are we not loved? It doesn't matter how we've been raised. We have moments where we wonder. And that fear and that doubt that arises when we are rejected, well, it's real. And as I look at Hagar's story, I'm I'm trying to think about some of the things that she probably experienced that I do too. For instance, she has memory of better days. Mm. Rejection is really painful when it's contrasted with what used to be. right. So she used to have a secure place. She knew where she was going to sleep. She Mm -hmm. knew that she would have food on the table. I'm going to guess she learned to admire and respect Abraham because he wasn't like the Egyptian men that she had Mm -hmm. grown up with. He worshiped a God that was not made with human hands. Mm -hmm. And surely she was drawn to the way in which he would defend people who were powerless. Mm -hmm. And she had watched him intervene for his nephew Lot, for instance. Mm -hmm. And and she'd seen him do things with courage and bravery and put his life at risk that maybe she'd not observed before. And so those are warm memories. And this was the father of her child. Right. And and even Sarah, who had a rough relationship with her, probably had many great moments with Hagar working side by side Mm -hmm. and experiencing the beauty of a new morning or the fresh water from a well or even some flowers that could bloom in the desert. I mean, and all the ways that life unfolds, suddenly she's separated from everything. Mm -hmm. And that's a big part of the rejection. We have to understand that. There's something else that I think uh, when we're rejected, we really wrestle with, and and that's what I'll call the the memory of coping. Mm. You're familiar with Hagar's story before the one you've read, that she ran away before once when she was uh, pretty distressed in the company of Sarah. mistreated, yeah. Mm -hmm. And as she ran away, she ran to the desert. She wasn't cast out. She just ran away from Mm -hmm. it. But... God met her there, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, in this case, where she's actually pushed out, she probably has a memory of God showing up the last time she was in the desert alone. But then that's even more painful because where is he now? Here I am in the desert, and I have this memory of him showing up before, but am I so low now on the totem pole that, you know what, he's not even here for me this time. Right, I'm beyond God's reach, that fear of that. Uh, I love, though, in the text, if you notice the story before when she's out in the wilderness, God sees her 
And in this story, God hears the boy crying. So God does come to her, but in a new and different way. And even though, yeah, I think you're right, she probably wasn't expecting it. I'm beyond that reach. God can't see me this time. And that makes the rejection all the more painful. Mm -hmm. Because not only do I have the memory of how others used to embrace me, I remember being embraced by God, and now I don't have anything. I don't have them. I can't find God. Mm -hmm. Maybe I am just a lost soul. And that just magnifies the pain of it. Sure. And then there's the injustice of it. Mm-hmm. I think all of us, when we're rejected, we go through some moments where we're pretty angry. I'm just hacked off. This isn't right. This isn't fair. I don't deserve this. And that negative energy can also lead us deeper into the desert where there right. is no hope. Right. But it's fair to believe that Hagar had some of that, and she rightfully had it. And for any of our listeners who may be feeling rejected right now, and you're angry about it, know that that's an ordinary response. It's normal. It can't take you to life, but it is a normal and reasonable uh, response. She probably felt like God was out of the picture, not only for her, but maybe God was just blind to the issues of right and wrong. And sometimes we even find our conceptions of God challenged and warped by our own sense of rejection. I think that happens when we're faced with injustice, when we feel and find ourselves in those powerless, vulnerable places, such as Hagar did in this moment. You sort of look around and say, who is fighting for me? Who's standing up for me? Who's going to set this right? And when God answers or moves and works in ways different than the way we think God should, sometimes that is just even further more wounding than um, even the initial first shock. It saps life all the more. And there's a temptation sometimes to think, well, the God of Sarah and Abraham is not my God. Right. That God sided with them. So I'm going to have to have a different God. We must never forget there is one God. Mm. And how people hear him and how people respond to him and how people act under his watchful eye does not change him. And we need to understand what Hagar would certainly learn in time that there is only one God, and the same God was the God of Abraham, as was her God. The scripture is not just locked into Hagar, though, as a symbol of rejection. Jeremiah was a great prophet. Mm. He did what God told him to. He told the (laughs) truth. He showed up. He acted out his prophetic lessons and, and was willing to humble himself so that his calling in life could be fulfilled, and yet people did not receive it well. He finds himself beat up and thrown into jail. I mean, everything you can a, imagine. It's a big mess up for Jeremiah. Like Hagar, he probably had moments where he thought, What in the world is going on? Where is God? Maybe I have wasted my life trying to honor this God who is not showing up in my deepest pain of rejection. But in the book called Lamentations, also in the Old Testament, where Jeremiah puts the pen to the page. He writes these things. My eyes fail from weeping. I am in torment within. My heart is poured out on the ground. I remember my affliction, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. So here he's singing Hagar's song. He's singing your song, Kimberly, Mm -hmm. my song, all of our songs in that moment of rejection and despair. But he said, but wait, I have hope. And why? Mm -hmm. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. This is what he says. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And Jeremiah here captures a very important truth 
even when you're rejected by everyone you hold dear, even when you're rejected by your own community, even when you feel utterly and absolutely alone in the wilderness, you are not alone because God does not reject you. God has an eye for even the sparrow, and he has an eye for you. And as you turn your face towards him and place your life into his hands and surrender before him, you can know that he will show up. And that, of course, is Hagar's story, isn't it? Because at the last moment when she has nothing left, as you observed, he heard the cry of her boy in the shadow of a bush, just when she thought there's nowhere else to go, when she had surrendered all, God's faithfulness intervened. He shows up, he speaks to her, he promises her, he gives her hope and a future, and helps her to get up, not just with an idea, but opens her eyes to see the material answer to her material need in the minute. Something that was there already, apparently, that she just couldn't see. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness.
Today, as you have listened a bit to Hagar's story, as you've heard the great hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, as you've been thinking about what it means to be rejected and how do I go forward, we hope that you'll take a minute to take a step forward with us right now and pray. Imagine yourself with Hagar in the desert, not knowing where else to turn, and at the last simply saying, all I have is to pray. Pray with us. Our Father, today we thank you that you know who we are, you know where we are, you know where we've been, you know where we can go. We thank you, Lord, that even when the world is a tough place and some people do not use wisdom or kindness or grace in dealing with us, when sometimes even by our own folly we find ourselves isolated and alone, rejected because we have behaved badly, we thank you, Lord, no matter what the past or the history has been, you know exactly where we are and you love us and you have a plan for us that's good and we thank you, Lord, for being faithful to that and right now we bow before you and acknowledge that you are our only hope our only way forward, and it is in you that we must trust and rest. Speak into the lives of every person who's joining us in this prayer, who, like Hagar, feels completely abandoned and rejected, and help them to know that there are better days ahead, and that as we walk with you obediently, you will show us those days and cause us to live them. We pray this prayer in confidence because we offer it in the name of Jesus Christ, who knows himself what it is to have been rejected, but also knows what it is to live and live life abundantly. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Again, if you'd like to know more about God, or if you'd like to know more about how you can move forward having been rejected, give us a call. 1-800-757-VIEW, toll free. 1-800-757-8439, 24 hours a day and seven days a week. We're glad to hear from you. Kimberly, if someone did not want to call, though, but wanted to check us out online, where might they go? You could visit us online at cbhuviewpoint.org. Send us a message, and we'll reply. And if you prefer, you can also just send us a letter by post. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana 46018, USA. But whether you call us up, go online, or send us a letter in the mail, let us hear from you. And we also want you to know we'd love to give you a copy of Anne Graham Lotz's book, Wounded. You'll find it a great read, most inspiring and most hopeful. Kimberly, thanks for coming alongside today. Thanks for having me. And we thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll be with us again next week as we continue in our journey, thinking about what it is to be wounded and how we can recover for all of us at the Viewpoint team and for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast. This is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.